Welcome to the Lifting Lindsay podcast. Today we are going to have this episode solely dedicated to muscle building phase. So we've been going through the different phases of fitness. I started out by talking about maintenance. I did two episodes on finding maintenance. We talked about the psychology of maintenance as well, why it's important to first know what your maintenance is, because then we can build on that. Maintenance is energy balance. It is, there's a balance of your body of nutrition coming in and energy going out. And weight is pretty much going to be staying the same. Body composition is pretty much going to be relatively the same. That is energy balance. That is maintenance. And then I did two episodes on fat loss. That was the next one. When I asked on my Instagram, that was the next one you guys wanted it on. I did two episodes on fat loss and we talked about the very, very basics of that. And I think it's really important to start out with the very, very basics because most people, that's actually where they're going wrong. There are complexities in all of this, yes, but 99% of individuals are not dealing with those complexities and they can see their results. Yes, it's going to take time, but they can see their results getting the basics in order. And so I did two episodes on the basics of fat loss. Well, when I asked what you guys wanted next, did you want reverse dieting or did you want an episode next on building? I was really surprised that about 65% of you asked to have an episode on muscle building. I was surprised, but I was also so excited because that means women are getting it. They are getting that this is exciting. This is where it's at. Building muscle is where it's at, especially for our long-term health and our, our goals. Few people actually see this three-month transformation. Few people do a fat loss phase for three months paired with lifting weights and bam, they have their transformation that's landed them exactly where they wanted to be with all the muscle, all, uh, you know, the, at the body fat percentage they wanted to be at. Very, very few people are like that. Those really are the outliers. Okay. So when we're looking at this bell curve, most of us land somewhere in the middle where it's not going to take three months. It's going to take years. And sometimes when I say that, sometimes when I bring up how many years it can take, depending on the person, depending on their goal, right? Because that changes everything. But a lot of times when women come to me and they're saying, you know, I, I want to see body fat come off. I want to see muscle go on. This is like my picture. This is what I look like. This is what I, you know, want to achieve. I look at that and I'm thinking, this is going to take years not just in body, but also in mind, because this isn't some for three months, I do some crazy diet where I'm starving myself or drinking some like soup. I remember growing up, there was like this soup diet that went around. It was, it was some cabbage soup. It was horrible. It was horrible. You were pretty much starving yourself. It, it was, oh my goodness. Anyways, so my sisters would want to lose a few pounds and all of a sudden the house smelled like this, this cabbage soup all over again. Man, I wish I knew 
what I know now, I wish I knew growing up, I could have saved my family from a lot of horrible cabbage soup, okay? <laughs> so, and I just remember the smell was awful. But anyway, so so few people can just get into that really, really low, aggressive calorie deficit and bam, they've they've put on all the muscle they want and lost all that body fat. A lot of times when I bring up, we're looking at habits and mindset. These are things that take years because the goal isn't just to look a certain way after three months. And then, you know, I wish, I wish we could see the, the six to nine month after, after that three month after photo, right? I wish we could see that because a lot of times what we would see is people just going right back to their old lifestyles, putting on all the weight all over again. And this is what causes a lot of that, the yo-yo dieting and stuff is because they haven't focused on making it a lifestyle change. And so when I'm talking about this takes years, I am talking about, well, yes, it takes years for your body to change, but it also takes years to establish lifestyle. And if I can help shorten that time frame for other people, if they can learn from all the things that I did wrong, because I did a bunch of things wrong throughout this entire process. And I'm actually, do you know what, guys? I'm glad I did because it actually makes me a better coach. And, and I feel like I can relate to people because I'm like, oh yeah, I remember doing that. And that doesn't get you to your goal. Yeah, I remember standing on the BOSU ball trying to do squats and that didn't build my booty because it is going to lower output. It's going to lower stabilization. It doesn't give you, it doesn't work your quote unquote stabilizers plus build the booty you want. It doesn't do that. So yes, if you can learn from my mistakes and also there's research out there saying so that, that that's great. Like let's, let's learn together, learn from everything, all the crazy things that I've done wrong in the gym. Now, what I say that they were stupid things, well, I learned from them. So it's not a mistake if you learn from it. It's it's not stupid if you learn from it, right? Anyways, so in talking about this, we had a few episodes, like I said, where we talked about maintenance, where we talked about fat loss, and now we're moving into builds. People want to know builds. Well, if you go back to the maintenance, remember we talked about energy balance. So energy balance is going to be that balance of nutrition coming in and energy out. And if, as long as those are balanced, then your body's going to relatively stay the same, around the same weight, et cetera. Well, if we go into an energy deficit, so we now know what goes into the energy coming in, energy going out. And yes, it's not an exact precise science, but we can get pretty close as far as trying to measure things and just be as accurate as we possibly can with measuring those things. Well, if we are, if our energy out is higher than our energy in, then that's going to be an energy deficit or a calorie deficit or a fat loss phase. So we've already talked about that. Well, now we're going to tip the scale the other way. And now we're going to see this tip and it's not going to be an energy deficit, but an energy surplus. And this is where building muscle really thrives. It is in this energy surplus. 
because your body has a hard time building out of nothing, right? Just like you would have a really, really hard time building something out of nothing. Now, maybe at first when you're trying to build, you can get pretty creative and look around your house and use what you can, but there's going to be a certain time frame that all of a sudden you've kind of run out of supplies and now it's going to be like, well, now it's just you're hitting a plateau, right? So when you first are trying to do a craft, you can look around, you can get pretty creative with what you have in your house, but after a certain amount of time, it's going to be really hard to continue building and building what you're trying to because you now no longer have the supplies. So I want you to think about that in terms of building muscle. And why I bring this up is because there's always the question of, can I build muscle and lose fat at the same time? And we know that that is something that is great for untrained individuals. So think of them as, as you were when you first were looking around your house saying, I want to build something. I can, I can scrap things together and I can start building. Yeah, you can. Good job. But there will be a time where it's like, oh, kind of run out of my supplies. Now I need to go out and get more in, right? And so we see that with building muscle too, is that untrained individuals do really, really well. And as I talk about this building phase, I am going to be talking about body recomp too. Body recomp is this desire that everybody has to sim in this in this context. I'm going to be talking about it in that we are simultaneously losing fat and building muscle. So untrained individuals can do that. In fact, I'm, I'll share these uh, the studies that I'm citing in the notes. But there's one particular that I'm citing where when they were given a high-protein diet in a calorie deficit, and this high-protein diet was about one gram per pound of body weight. So if you weigh 140 pounds, this is about eating 140 grams of protein a day. So they had them in a calorie deficit. It was a steep calorie deficit. And then they had them eating high-protein. These individuals, these were men, were able to lose 10 and a half pounds of fat and they were able to put on 2.6 pounds of muscle. Keep a few things in mind. One, they were untrained. Two, it was a pretty steep calorie deficit. They were also, three, they were also eating high amounts of protein and these individuals in four weeks, okay, this is crazy. So we're looking at a change on the scale of what, around eight pounds going down, but really they lost 10 and a half pounds of fat, but they put on about two and a half of muscle. Keep this in mind though. So these were untrained. These subjects were able to gain muscle at a similar rate to studies where subjects are not in a calorie deficit. So simultaneously shredding almost a quarter of their total fat mass. That's huge. So that's what an untrained individual can do. So if you are wondering, if you are untrained right now, if you are just getting started in your fitness journey and you're wondering, well, should I do a build or should I do a cut? Well, 
according to the studies that we have, I actually think you should do both. Like you should do a quote unquote body recomp approach. And you can do that in a fat loss phase. If you train smart, going to the gym four times a week, training smart for an hour, getting into a nice calorie deficit that you can sustain with a higher end protein diet, you can do both. So why not start out doing both? And somebody could argue, and I rightfully so, well, don't do both. Start at maintenance or start and build, and then you can put on tons of muscle. Yeah, 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 you could do that. But one thing that you have to take into consideration is the psychology of the individual. Is this person going to be really excited about the results and keep going if they're just at maintenance? Or would it be more beneficial for them to see larger drops in the scale or larger drops in measurement or feeling, you know, that they're doing both at the same time? Is that going to keep them going for longer? And so that's something that you really have to consider. And if you are self-coaching, you have to be honest with yourself. Where am I going to thrive more? Is the thought of losing all of that body fat? Yeah, that may sound great but you may not thrive there. The thought of getting into a steep calorie deficit because of where your mind has been previously doing yo-yo dieting, maybe that's not right for you, right? So there's all these things that you have to consider and I'm not gonna just say there's one right way for everybody. I'm gonna show you to consider all these things and then that way you can make a wise decision for yourself. Now, what about then, what about trained individuals? What should they do? Once again, this does come down to the individual. I think that's important. But I am going to show you two two studies, one of men, one of women, where they did more of a body recomp at maintenance. So I wouldn't necessarily call this a building phase because they weren't intentionally going into a surplus. But the fruits of it was a build with, well, I'll just kind of walk you through what happened. So people will always say body recomp is better for untrained. So get in your calorie deficit, strive for both. And according to this study that I just cited, you know, you can get around the same amount of muscle mass as somebody who is at maintenance or in a surplus because you're untrained. But the trained individuals, it's a little bit different. So trained individuals, I wouldn't tell you to necessarily go into a steep calorie deficit. I would say sit near maintenance to try to get a little bit of both. And these two studies, well, do you know what? I'm only going to, I'm only going to tell you one study. I'll, I'll cite the other one in the notes, but I really want to talk about this one with the women, because they took a group of women and they actually split them into two groups. So two groups of women, they put them both at maintenance calories. They both were training four times a week. It was an upper body, lower body split. So two days, upper body, two days, lower body, right? And they did hit, I think it was hit two times a week. So they weren't overdoing cardio. They weren't striving to just you know, do cardio for hours every day. 
And one group of women was labeled high protein. Remember, they were both at maintenance. One was labeled high protein. And the protein was similar to what I I cited before that other study, that it was about landing them at about one gram per pound of body weight. So if you weigh 150, 160, that you would have been eating 150 or 160 grams of protein. So the other group was a lot lower. It was 0.8 per kilogram. Okay, so we're talking about low. And they've stated that 0.8 grams is enough for protein synthesis for building muscle. But it was a lower end, okay? Now, what's fascinating about those two is that the women both put on, after eight weeks, they both put on about 4.4 pounds of muscle, okay? That's a lot. And these were trained individuals. If you were looking at their fat-free mass index, they were about 18. And that lands them in the very well-built category. So these women had built muscle already. They were trained. They were considered more trained. So they both, both groups put on four pounds of muscle. What's fascinating though, is that in the low protein group, their fat mass stayed the exact same. So these women would have seen the scale move up four and a half pounds. And that was four and a half pounds of muscle. That's exciting. You know, there's a lot of women out there who are like, well, I want muscle, but I don't want the scale to go up. Well, what? But muscle weighs. So these women's body fat didn't go up, but the muscle mass went up. So keep that in mind, okay? When you are self-coaching and you're trying to examine and overthink what's going on in the scale, could be exactly what you want. It could be muscle. That's awesome, right? Now, what's fascinating is the higher end protein. Those eating about one gram, they put on four point, about 4.4 pounds of muscle, but they lost 2.2 pounds of body fat. Once again, they still would have seen the scale move up though, two and a half pounds. So if you're trying to do this maintenance and build thing, is it possible? Yeah, it is. It is. But keep in mind that even when it's possible, the scale will move up. So if you are trying to do body recomp around maintenance and you're obsessing about the scale moving up, and if it moves up, you think you're doing something wrong, well, that's silly because muscle weighs. Even when you're losing body fat and building muscle, like the muscle weighs. So these women who lost, who experienced body recomp at maintenance over an eight-week period, they lost 2.2 pounds of body fat. They still saw the scale increase. I cannot emphasize this enough for you. So if you decide, well, I'm more trained, I'm going to try this maintenance approach, then you still want to see the scale move up, not necessarily stay the exact same. And sure it could, 
Maybe you're putting on, you're losing body fat at the same rate that you're putting on muscle. I don't know. It could. But more than likely, the probability is that it's not going to. And that no matter what, if the goal is to put on muscle, you are going to see the scale move up. Accept it. It is weird to think that a trained individual wanting to do both at maintenance isn't going to see the scale go up, okay? I hope I have emphasized that point enough for you. So now that I've kind of talked about what's possible with body recomp, now let's move into builds. And if that's possible at body recomp, then why doesn't everybody just do maintenance type builds? Why do they push into this calorie surplus where yes, you are going to see muscle go up, but you are going to see body fat go up? Why would anybody do that? Well, one, because everybody's body is different. And there are individuals who will not put on muscle or won't put it on to the speed that they want to in maintenance. I would actually argue that I'm one of those people. I would argue that hard gainers, if they want to see, now remember this, a muscle building phase is the desire to see the most muscle possible go on at one time. So you will need to gain weight to build the most muscle possible during the time frame that you're, you've given yourself because that's the goal, the most muscle possible. And if, if you've been doing this for a while and you just feel like you're at a plateau and you feel like you've been trying to do this maintenance build thing for a while and it's not working for you, you're not seeing muscle come on to the extent that you want to, then you will need to go into a build, a dedicated build, in order to see more muscle. Your individual body falls under that category of to build at the speed that you want to, you will need, and I, I'm careful, I need to be careful about saying speed at which you want to because everybody wants it faster. But if you want it the fastest possible, then you will need to push into a build. And you will need to accept the fact that you will gain fat and you will gain muscle. Now, the goal is to gain more muscle than fat. So then the question is, well, how much do we need to eat then in this calorie surplus? And this varies per individual. I am going to link a uh, 2019 study is an energy surplus required to maximize skeletal muscle and hypertrophy. So I am going to link this as well for you, for any of those of you that, like me, love to read this stuff. But anyway, so the calorie surplus does depend on the individual. One, you need to keep that in mind. Two, we also need to take into account that NEAT, N-E-A-T, becomes increasingly more difficult to kind of figure out in a surplus because we will move more. We're also burning a little bit more of the food because we're eating a little bit more. So that does become a little bit more tricky, but nothing to necessarily worry too much about. 
And the authors of this particular study suggested that a surplus of 360 to 480 calories was plenty to see the progress that people want to. So sometimes people will kind of brag about like, I was in a thousand calorie surplus. I don't necessarily think that they should be bragging about that because that very well could have been in excess. And I have listened to people brag about it. And then also the next like few months complain over all their gut issues. So remember we that this is a phase where we are bringing in a lot more food. That's a lot more food for our body to digest. And so if we can stay on the lower end or the mid range per the individual, that's where your body is going to actually thrive the most. So another common suggestion for a building phase as far as a calorie surplus is a calorie surplus of 250 calories to 500. And some people like kind of staggering things. I'm one of those. I like having higher calories on training days and lower calories like around maintenance on non-training days. I do find that my gut handles that a little bit better than every single day, pounding it with like a 500 calorie surplus. And so you have to, as an individual, this is an experiment. It's kind of exciting. It's kind of fun. So maybe start out at 250. But remember that if you start out on the low end of a calorie surplus of 250, remember that your non-exercise activity, that may actually increase because of the amount that you're eating. You may find that you're just moving more. And so you may end up having to increase it a little bit more. Well, how do you know if you're supposed to increase it a little bit more? Well, we still want to be watching the scale during a build. And we do want to see the scale increase in a building phase. And this is something that people don't want to accept, but, but it, the truth is that we do need to. And we want to see the scale move up 1% to 3% of your body weight per month. So if I had a smaller client that was around 120 pounds and we put her through a build, I would want her to see at minimum the scale moving up about a pound every month. And if it plateaus at one point, then I will increase her calories. But it's hard because people are saying, well, the scale is moving up. How do I know I'm putting on muscle or just putting on body fat? And honestly, within a build, the main thing will actually come down to your training. Are your lifts getting better? Are you getting stronger? And sometimes that's the best way to measure, you know, especially if you don't have a DEXA, like I'll go and do DEXAs where they use x-ray technology to see you know, your, your fat mass, your bone density, your muscle size. And even within DEXAs, especially when measuring muscle, um, it, it can be off a little bit. And that can come down to your nutrition, your training, your water intake. And so that's something that even after like six weeks, if I go in, 
six to 12 weeks and do it again, I have to make sure my training is the exact same as before. My nutrition is the exact same as before. My, like the water that I was drinking was the exact same as before. So I have to be very, very, very consistent with my approach to make sure that the measuring tool can be as consistent as well. But most people don't have opportunities to be going and getting DEXAs. And so you, it really comes down to you have to be making sure that in the gym, you are prioritizing progressive overload. You are making sure that over time, your weight is going up. And I'm not saying like every single week it needs to be this linear up, right? I mean, that's that's typical for a newbie, but a trained individual isn't going to see their squat moving up five pounds every single week. That's just a trained individual that's just unheard of. But over a six to eight week period, we can be seeing improvements. And that is going to be a sign that yes, with the scale moving up, with those improvements, you are putting on muscle. So you cannot be eating a ton and then going to the gym and doing lazy work and and just think, well, but I'm eating a ton and maybe I just barely added creatine and that's supposed to build muscle. So that'll do all the hard work for me. Not true. And so I don't need to push myself in the gym. No, you still need to push yourself. You still need to have smart training. You still need to work really hard. You still need to track your your lifts and make sure that over time you're progressing. Creatine helps individuals recover faster in between sets. But if you're not putting in the hard work, then it doesn't matter if you're taking creatine. Creatine is a waste if you don't know how to work hard in the gym. It helps if you know how to work hard in the gym. So when people ask me, should I be taking creatine? I always review with them two things. One, are you good at your nutrition already? Two, do you know how to push yourself in the gym? And if those two things are on point, then yes, go ahead. Add on in that creatine. That's my favorite supplement. I use bulk supplements. I just get it off of Amazon. It's nothing fancy. Monohydrate, still the best out there. Nothing fancy. It's pretty inexpensive, so easy to add three to five grams per day, you do need, and you don't need to front load. So you don't need to really, really worry about that. Just start taking three to five grams a day. I take it post-workout and that's the best time for me, but you guys can take, we don't want to overthink this. Just, you know, I, I really love in Atomic Habits where he says, first develop the habit and then worry about optimizing. But it's pretty hard to just jump into optimization. First, it's easier to establish the habit and then focus on optimization. And that really is huge with my clients. I watch those that can do the basics first. And then when we introduce optimization, it's not overwhelming to them. So you want to be watching the scale and making sure that the scale is moving up one to 3% of your body weight per month. Some individuals that are a little harder muscle gainers because they exist, I would say that I'm I'm one of those. I have noticed that I'm usually around a 2% is where I have the most successful builds. I have pushed up to 3%. It didn't seem to add a whole lot 
it was a lot more body fat put on than necessarily muscles. That's just something that you're going to have to do a little trial and error and see what works best for you. So let's say you are doing a build and you have noticed that the scale is going up about 1% every month, everything's going great. And then you have a month where it plateaus and it's not going up. Well, that's actually a great sign that you're, you are putting on muscle. And so you do need to increase your calories. So you can increase them 75 to 100 and just test things out and see where things go from there. Now, the next question is, how long do I need to do a build for? I used to say that the minimum amount that I would put a client through a build was three months. And about a year ago, I changed that because I realized that it was kind of turning into a lot of mini builds, mini cuts, and it was just kind of another form of yo-yo dieting for a lot of my clients. And so I actually put a new restriction on all of my clients that wanted to do a build with me. And I said no less than six months. And the reason why I did that is because builds, you really have to build momentum in it. Some women come to me and they're they're actually too low in body fat to build. And a lot of, for women, the research that I have seen is that women thrive in builds around 20 to 25% body fat, depending on the individual and where their body is the most optimal is where they're going to. So a lot of times when we're trying to build as much muscle as possible, but the woman is 17% body fat and she's trying to maintain 17 to 18%, maybe see it move up to 18, 19, she may not, she may be selling herself short of the muscle she could be building because she's trying so hard to stay too lean. I have seen that a lot and I personally have experienced that. That has been a mistake that I have made in the past. Now, I'm one of those that thrive on a lower body fat percentage in build. So I can build really well at 20% and even I've done it at 19. Um. I usually will like go from 19 to 20 and move up to 21% and then I'll cut down. But I can build at 20, 21 was where it was really actually starting. I was noticing huge changes in my body. So depending on the person, some may have to be around 23, 24% to see. This is what's really hard is I know what people want. They want me to tell them exacts. They want me to say, sit here on this on this podcast and say, you have to be at 23% body fat and you have to have your calories at 250 surplus and you have to do it for exactly 90 days and you have, but the truth is every single person is an individual. And a lot of these blanket statements that people are making like that is actually why they're not hitting their goals is because maybe they thrive at a slightly higher body fat percentage. And that's where their body will thrive putting on muscle, where some individuals can thrive at a bit of a lower body fat percentage, but they can also maintain a lower body fat percentage year round, a healthier, um, but on the lower end body fat percentage. So 
depending on the individual. I know it's annoying to hear that, but this is what's also fun about it is you get to figure out what works for you. You get to dive in your, your own research project. This is actually really, really fun. Now we're going to dive into a little bit of the psychology of builds. You know, every fitness phase has their hard, every single one of them. So when you go into a calorie deficit, an energy deficit, fat loss phase, the hard is that you're having to say no to the, the extra food. You're having to be a little bit more meticulous to monitor and make sure that you are truly in an energy deficit. So tracking if you need to, adding in a little, little bit more cardio, um, saying no to all of those nights out, maybe the alcohol every day and all of these things, that's the hard of that calorie deficit. But the fun is that we're seeing the fat loss come off, right? Well, maintenance has its fun. Maintenance, you can mindfully eat more. You're eating more. It's so it's more enjoyable. You're not, you know, in that go, go, go striving mode. You're relaxed and I'm just maintaining. I'm just looking at thriving right here where I'm at. Now, the hard part about maintenance is when you're scrolling through Instagram and you're seeing people doing builds and people doing cuts and they're so happy in their build and they're so happy in their cut and you think, I want to be happy like them. Maybe maintenance isn't where my happiness lies. Maybe I should do another cut. She looks so good and she looks so happy, right? Or look at that girl. She's putting on so much muscle in her build and she's just thriving. She gets to eat a lot more and, and maybe that's where I'll find happiness, right? So there's that hard is it's hard to kind of feel stagnant and feel like you're not striving for something new. And so that's where maintenance can be hard. Well, in a build, there's a few things that when you actually push into a real build and you are eating like 500 calories in a surplus, food can actually, and women who haven't done real builds, or maybe they do a build, but it's just totally dirty, like with the dirtiest food possible. You know, they're just hitting it with Cheetos every day or something. And they're like, this is so easy to build. Yeah, but where are the nutrients? You still need nutrients to build muscle. So you still do want, you may have to go a little bit dirtier in a build to get the calories that you need to in, depending on the individual. And like what their gut can do and how much they can stomach all that food. So, but you still do need to prioritize. You still need nutrients and good amount of nutrients to help with this muscle building process, right? So sometimes in a build, women will actually turn to maybe two protein shakes a day because they just can't sit and eat all of the food plus the protein, and so they do have to turn to maybe a little bit quicker, easier, digestible, or even more calorie-dense foods. So that can be hard. And a few of my clients have told me before, like, food has kind of lost its fun for me. Like, my husband's like, let's go out to get ice cream. And I'm like, eh, no thanks. She's like, in maintenance or in a cut, if he brought up ice cream, I'm like, yes, let's do it. And she's like, now in a build... She was like on her eighth month of this build and she's, food has lost its fun for me. And I know that feeling 
because after doing a build for a really, really long time, I felt that same way about food. So some people will experience that. Some people have a really hard time with the fluffy feeling. You are going to be seeing the scale go up. So some people have a really hard time with that, especially if their mind has been conditioned to only believe that the scale should move down. So sometimes it's really hard for them to see and embrace the scale moving up. And I love talking about the difficulties about a build so that I can help prepare you for it. And I think if you've decided to do a build, a really good idea would be to pull out a piece of paper on the left side, write down like what's going to be hard for me in this build. A calorie surplus sounds so much fun at first, but after six months, it, it loses its fun. It really does. So on the left-hand side, write the, the problems that we're going to face. And on the right-hand side, write how you're going to address it. And I like having clients do this for all phases, fat loss phases, maintenance, and builds. So another thing that is going to be hard, like I mentioned, that you could write down on the left-hand side would be the scale moving up. And on the right-hand side, you can write down, okay, what are you going to tell yourself when you see that? You're going to shout for joy and say, yes, more muscle, bring it. I don't know what you're going to do, but you've got to do something, right? You have to be proactive. Even if it's looking down saying, I knew you were going to do that and walking yourself through that. The next one you could write down is feeling fluffy. In my last build that I did last year, I spent a good portion, I spent nine, was it nine months or yeah, nine months last year doing Well, it was more than that over the past two years. But anyways, doing a build. And my waist went up three inches. I actually had to buy new pants. And that was a little bit hard. I mean, it wasn't, but it was. It was was annoying. It was annoying. And it it wasn't fun. This was another thing that you can write on the left-hand side. It wasn't fun going to the gym and not being able to see my muscles as much. Like I had to get a really big pump to see my muscles. And it was also very humbling because I didn't look like the fittest person there. And um, sometimes it feels good to go to the gym and it's like, oh, I can see my muscles. I can see my pump. So working out is kind of fun because I see the muscle, right? And it's hard when all of a sudden the, the scale is for me, it had gone up 13 pounds. And a lot of that had gone on my arms and really covered my arms. And so I didn't, in my back, I didn't look as fit. And that is kind of hard, especially when my job is a coach. My body is my marketing. And now all of a sudden, I, I had to show up in a very real sense on Instagram of, look, when you really want to see changes, you're not going to look shredded. You are going to feel fluffier. You, my, my waist went up three inches. I'm now buying new pants. It's not comfortable, but just like in a cut, in order for us to see the goal we want, in a, we have to lean into the uncomfortable. When it comes to a build, you have to likewise lean into the uncomfortable. Another thing you can write on that left-hand side is Instagram. Instagram can be, or social media in general, whatever, can be hard because if you're scrolling through and you're seeing people in a cut at the bottom of their cut when they're the most shredded and you're comparing yourself to six months into a build or even just like 
three months into a build and now you're up like four or five pounds and you look at this other person that's at the bottom of their cut and you start comparing and you're like, oh, it can cause you to give up on a build and jump back into a calorie deficit. And it's just that yo-yo dieting approach. And, and sometimes I see it on Instagram and I think just because you call it a mini build and a mini cut and you're going back and forth between a mini build and a mini cut, I'm sorry, I'm seeing the same exact patterns as a yo-yo dieter, the same exact patterns. And your mind is no more healthier than a yo-yo dieter. You're, you're just like bouncing back and forth. It's like you, you jump into a cut after a few months. It's like, oh, this is too hard. Oh, I'll, I'll do a build. That looks fun. And they don't have to tell themselves no, and they can eat whatever. And so they jump into a build. And then after a few weeks of it, they're like, oh, this is hard. Now I'm fluffy. Oh, somebody told me that they only had to do a build for four weeks and they saw so much muscle. So I'll jump back into a cut. And I'll, and it's just like this. And then they posted on Instagram, I had a build, mini build and a mini cut. But as they're like going through the process of it, I'm like, I've been doing this for a while. And all I'm spotting is somebody who is insecure with their body. They're not embracing the process. They're using these terms of mini builds, mini cuts, really just to make themselves feel better about their uncontrollable yo-yo dieting approach. But it's no more healthier in their mind. And so as you get into a build, you are going to... I would say go onto Instagram and maybe maybe stop following a bunch of people who are lean all year round. Stop following a bunch of people who have never gone into a build before and don't know what it takes and and or stop following people that you're comparing yourself to. Stop following people who are maybe in an opposite fitness phase as you. That's okay to do that. That is okay to do that. Because I don't want you to minimize what your goal is because you see somebody on the other end, leaning down and and looking great. Okay, remember, they're looking great because they either genetically had the muscle or they built all that muscle. Okay, so lean into the hard, lean into the uncomfortable. And I tell you, there's there are usually I see two different women with builds. One is they thrive because for the first time, they're giving themselves permission to eat. And they find so much freedom. And it almost cures them of a lot of the diet mindset that they had before. And they thrive. And they start focusing more on feeling strong in the gym, not caring about the scale. And it is so unbelievably empowering to them. They are thriving. I love it. It's like we've set them free to actually love who they are the moment that they're in. And then there's the other ones that they can't stop thinking about their leanest self. And so they can't push into the hard of the build, or I should say they, they're not pushing into the maximal amount of muscle that they could get because there, there's always this pulling back of, no, but I can't give up my leanness. So it's almost like they're not really in a build it's kind of like when people do this not really in a cut thing. They do calorie deficit for two days and then they'll they'll overeat or just be like, whatever. It's the same thing on the other end. I'll see people do a build for two days, feel slight fluffiness, and then 
fast for a day or oh, I pulled back because I didn't want to do it. It's like, no, 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 no. Step into it. In, if you want these results, let go. Embrace the, this phase of fitness. But with that being said, I also know that it's not right for everybody. And so if they cannot mentally handle it, then maybe they should just stay at maintenance, eat the higher amounts of protein, and actually not even be stepping on the scale. Really learn to know thyself. What's going to harm you? Um, what's going to harm you mentally? What's going to harm you physically? And then find the place in fitness where you thrive the most. And for a lot of people, that really is maintenance. And for a lot of people, it's not tracking macros. It's just mindfully keeping track of protein, making sure that they're getting you know green vegetables, three servings a day, and keeping a healthy balance of 80% whole foods, 20% fun foods. So this process of fat loss, maintenance, builds, I hope you know that this all came about through the bodybuilding industry. And I think it's important to understand that this is known as an extreme sport. And so extreme dieting and extreme builds may not be for everybody. But we can come somewhere in the middle and find something around maintenance or a very slight build or a very slight calorie surplus or a very slight calorie deficit. And we can thrive choosing that path, knowing that our mind and body is going to thrive there. And be cautious of looking at people on Instagram because they have a different body and they have a different mind. I want to emphasize the mind. They may be perfectly healthy in mind going into the extreme of the calorie deficit, going into the extreme of the build, and they come out thriving. That may not be you. And that's okay. The whole point of me doing these fitness phase episodes is so that people are given knowledge and that I can throw out a bit of wisdom too to help you make wise choices. I'm throwing out different options of what seems to work really well, but maybe that's not going to work for you. Maybe you do X, Y, Z, and that is where you thrive. Remember, this is not about other people's journeys. This is about yours. So if you do choose to do a build, keep that in mind, that this is a fun phase, but it also has its hard. And a lot of it comes down to the psychology of the individual where the hard part of this phase is. But you will have to push into an amount of uncomfortable. But if you can, if you can do that, and you do that for like six, eight months of a build, when you do then go into another cut to pull back the layers of body fat and reveal all the muscle that you built, you will be so excited that you chose to do a real build not a mini, not a four-week thing, not a three-month thing, but like a real build. You will be so empowered by the freedom that you find with food, with your strength, and with fitness by choosing to experience a real build at least one time in your fitness journey. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Lifting Lindsay podcast. 
If you have any questions, please send me a message on Instagram, Lifting Lindsay. You can also go to liftinglindsay.com to see options on coaching as well as signing up for my optimized training app.